friends, welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I'm so glad that you're here. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. I was introduced to today's guest through some delightfully delicious airport snacks that were actually healthy. It's kind of a funny story, but my husband and I were on a business trip in Florida, and I happened to try her delicious chocolate chip protein balls. And I did what I think most of us do, and I looked her up on Instagram, and I found Eat, Pray, Get Well by Erin Porter, and I immediately knew it was a God connection. So I invited her to come on the show, and here we are. Let me tell you a little bit about Erin before I introduce you to her. Erin was sick for decades and she took hundreds of courses of antibiotics. She had four sinus surgeries as well as many other surgeries. In her blog and her book, which we're going to talk about today, she writes about a difficult and some may even say abusive childhood, her addiction to food and her journey of healing, both physically and emotionally, and her journey with God along the way. This is not your grandma's recipe book. In Eat, Pray, Get Well, Erin invites you into her journey from a childhood filled with rejection and emotional abuse to chronic illness into her adult years. She shares how God used both of those debilitating tragedies to reveal His grace, healing, and blessings in unimaginable ways. Eat, Pray, Get Well is entertaining, inspiring, and most of all, it'll help you gain the tools you need to help heal your body and soul. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show for a special offer for Real Talk with Rachel listeners from Eat, Pray, Get Well. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the conversation I had with Erin Porter. Well, hello, Erin, and welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you on here today. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to start out by asking you what I've asked several of the last guests, and um, it is this. If if I were to, I read your fancy professional bio in the intro, but what is something about you that I might not read in your bio? That although I love talking about overcoming my fears, that it's something that I still struggle with maybe a little bit, but I'm starting to wonder if that's just part of the human condition (laughs) is I don't know if we ever completely stop fearing some of the things in our life, but it's an ongoing process and, you know, casting down any fears. But I I would say that that's something I try hard every day to not live from a place of fear. I can relate 110%. Just when I think that I have overcome all the fears. It's like a new one pops up. But you know, it's interesting because I I think that it's actually a good thing. I know that sounds weird, but it makes us lean into God. You know, I'm like, if I ever just really got to the point where I just was like, hey, I'm good, you know, then why would I need to keep leaning into the strength of the Lord? I'd just be leaning into myself at that point. So (laughs) exactly. We always find ourselves kind of wandering away when everything feels great and comfortable. Yep. And then it's like a blessing sometimes because it brings us right back to him. Exactly. Yep. So good. All right. So here's what I have to tell everybody listening today about how you and I met, even though we haven't met in real life yet, how we met on the internet. My husband and I, I think it was a little over a month ago, went to Florida to record a video with Kevin Harrington. Um, He was on Shark Tank and about our clinic and we were passing through the airport and I was starving And I was like, let me go see if they have some kind of snack. 
snack and I'm like, anything healthy, come on, give me something. You know, like I was trying not to, when I travel, I try my best to not go too far off the beaten path on how I normally eat. And your snacks, are they protein balls? Is that what you call them? There was two different flavors drew my eye and I was like, oh my, these look amazing. So I bought both flavors and seriously ate between my husband and I, I will say, it wasn't just 100% me. We ate both bags over the weekend. So, <laughs> so anyways, but then I was reading the packaging and I saw the name and I was like, I wonder if she's on Instagram. That's the first thing I do when I find something I love. I'm like going and looking if they're on Instagram and I found you and we connected. <laughs> yes. I love these kind of connections. And that was putting my food in the airport was definitely something from God because like you, whenever I traveled, I couldn't find anything that I was able to eat if you're trying to stay on a low sugar, you know, low carb, no no gluten. And I would always think, oh, my snacks would be so perfect in the airport, but I knew absolutely nothing, you know, about food and about um, putting your food out into the public. And I just said, God, I would love to be in this airport. I know nothing about any of this. And within about six months, <laughs> I just got my license. And that was secondary to the blog because at first I was just all about the blog and the book. And then the food kind of just followed. So God's got me in some really interesting directions. And what's cool about the food is it's not just something healthy to pick up while you're traveling, but I have my website and my story on the back label. And it also brings people to God as well. Yeah. As they're eating the snacks, it's kind of like hopefully going to also bring them to my website, which ultimately will bring them to God if they already don't have a relationship. Yeah. That is, and that's just what gets me so excited about you and your story. And because those kinds of snacks, honestly, usually are like pointing back to Mother Earth or, you know, like the universe or whatever. Right. Um, just being honest with you, you know, it's it's kind of a that feels like that that tends to be the area that has that amount of say in it. And so I just really appreciated that about you. And I immediately, once I found you, I was like, okay, who is this woman? And I need to get her on my podcast. So <laughs> we are going to talk about your, your blog and your book and your snack line more. But before we do, I'd kind of like people to hear your story because then I think they, you know, maybe resonate even more so with some of your resources you have now. So tell us a little bit of your story. You used to deal with chronic illness. Yes. Uh, I, so I grew up in the Bronx and was healthy until about six years old when we moved into a house that was about an hour upstate. And I had no idea what was causing my illness. And it was really pretty just pretty much allergies and asthma. The asthma was severe. Sometimes I would end up in the hospital. But we just kind of attributed that to the trees and not, it, we were no longer city life, you know, now we were up upstate New York. And then fast forward to about 18, I started working in Manhattan and moved into an apartment that had visible mold. And I had no idea that this is what was causing my health issues, but I was only there for nine months and it pretty much completely took me down. It started as a simple sinus infection. I was on antibiotics for that sinus infection for the next 15, 20 years, uh, literally may, maybe would come off for a few weeks to a month in between over those 15 to 20 years. So I've been on a lot of antibiotics, but it started with the sinus infection and then it turned into chronic fatigue. And that's something back when I was 18, 19, you know, we weren't even really on the internet yet. 
And so doctors, that was not even a term, I don't believe, back then. So I had heart arrhythmias to the point where they almost did an ablation on me. I had recurring Epstein-Barr and restless leg and fibromyalgia. And I'm reflux, very severe reflux to where I would have um, burns on my esophagus and sores. And I'm sure I'm leaving things out. So here I am, a teenager, I'm on my own. And during lunch hour, I'm running from doctor to doctor, specialist to specialist, trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Of course, not in a million years did I relate it to the mold in that apartment. That took a couple of decades. <laughs> I got with a great ear, nose, and throat who had just completed my fourth sinus surgery. And he looked at the CAT scan, and the first thing he said is, yes, you have serious bacteria, you have, you have staph, you have pseudomonas, but you also have one of the most um, severe fungal infections I've ever seen. So he said, you were obviously living in a toxic environment or working in a toxic environment. And the decades of antibiotics, since antibiotics are mold, <laughs> mm -hmm. just fueled, fueled the problem. So that was the first time I sort of got a different diagnosis and my life became trying to read up and study everything I could on fungal infections. And I had um, aspergillomas. So obviously I was breathing in uh, aspergillus and I also had curvularia. So these are probably the molds that were in that apartment that I stayed in for nine months. And it became a systemic fungal infection. And then I started learning that all these other problems I had, the heart arrhythmias, the fibromyalgia, the chronic fatigue, all have links to systemic fungal infections. So I changed the way I ate to an antifungal diet because fungus can't survive without carbs, sugar, much like cancer, and started taking some antifungals. I started off with scripts at first, and then I just moved over to more natural antifungals. And it was amazing. It took time because it took a long time to get sick. So it took me, you know, a long time to get well. But I started noticing I would finally wake up and some of those symptoms and diseases <laughs> were gone or on their way out. So I decided about four years ago, I was praying to God and I just I've been in the corporate world, you know, all my life. And I said, what else can you do with me? And it was start a blog. First, I felt like, well, what do you like to do? And I thought, I love, I have a degree in photography. I love photography. I love healthy recipes. And I love to write. And it was start a blog. I knew nothing about blogs, didn't follow any, wasn't on Instagram or any of that. That was not part of my life. And within a few months, it was picked up by national television, which shocked me because I never wanted to speak in public, never felt comfortable, always had panic attacks talking in front of people. So it completely changed my life. And now I just want to spread the word for anybody who has health issues that are not responding to conventional medicine. Even the CDC now, Center for Disease Control, is saying, they published this back in 2017, if you have any health issues that are not responding to conventional medicine, think fungus. Mm. So that was huge for them to come out and say, they're starting to recognize that link. Yeah. 
Wow. Well, thank you for sharing part of that. I know the another part of your story is that you had a difficult childhood. Do you feel like other than obviously living in a an apartment that and you know began this whole road you went down, do you feel like that difficult childhood also led to some of these health problems that you encountered? I don't know if it led to the health issues. I think um, I talk about it in the book. I had a very unique (laughs) childhood, so I had to break it down into stories. And one of the titles of um, the section is Illness Was a Punishable Offense. (laughs) Because in my home, my father did not think doctor's um, appointments were necessary. If you were sick, it was more of an annoyance and something that was ignored more than taken care of. So I talk about how when I got asthma, now I had this audible weakness that I was ashamed of at six or seven years old. And it was obviously an affliction that irritated him, you know, the sound of my wheezing. And so uh, I talk about it in the book. It's kind of hard to explain because it was such a bizarre childhood, Mm -hmm. but it didn't cause any of the illness. But I do believe it probably prevented me from healing as quick as I could because I was left with a lot of emotional open wounds when I left that house at 18 that took a long time to heal. And so God had to heal me in that aspect as well as my physical body. Because I think I was just as broken and just as sick in my emotions that I was in my body. Yeah. Yeah. They are all tied together. That's for sure. Definitely. Uh, Yeah. I know another piece of your story is that you've had to overcome binge eating. That's something that I'd love to talk more about because actually this summer I did a podcast series, a biblical body image podcast series, and that really resonated with a lot of people. In some of my studies this semester in school, we actually are talking about eating disorders and things like that. And so I know binge eating is something I've personally recovered from as well. So I'd love to hear your story on your process of that. Sure. And actually, I write for God TV, and that's my current posts about from binging to balance. Mm, (laughs) If you want to find it. Boy, I mean, I think I had it all my life. And I was always thin. So I never saw it as a problem. In fact, I was kind of proud of it, thought it was cute, because people would always comment, you know, I would be on the first, uh, I'd be the first on the line if we ever had a buffet or, you know, a potluck or something. And so I could eat enormous amounts of food and not gain weight and not really feel full or satisfied. And I have been doing this ever since I could remember, since I was even before a teenager. Uh, never purged, you know, just just binged. And one of my favorite pastimes was walking into the grocery store and getting a full sheet birthday cake. And I could bring that home and I could finish al- almost all of it. And then I would still be looking for the next thing because that didn't satisfy. Mm. And my son, I started dragging him down the same road back when he was little, he also didn't gain weight. So I didn't see a problem with it. And he became a complete sugar addict. He's not anymore. He's 15 now. We've turned that around. But God started dealing with that probably about 13 or 14 years ago. I remember being so distraught over the state of my health. And I just started crying and praying out, praying to him and asking what is going on with my body. 
And it's kind of funny. At the same time I was praying and crying, I was eating a hostess cupcake mm. as I was sobbing. <laughs> yeah. And that's when God, that was the first time God pointed out to me, look what you're doing. Look what you're eating. Look how you're treating your body. And I wish I could stay, say at that point right there, everything changed. It didn't. I was so addicted. But at least my eyes were open that, no, we are not supposed to eat everything we want as much as we want and destroy our bodies the way I was. Because like I said, I would eat that cake and then I can go on to open a bag of cookies and finish that off and then go to, you know, cereal and fit. And so I didn't realize that I was filling some kind of void. Mm -hmm. And I do now. Yeah. And so, and I still have moments where I'm still tempted to do it. Mm -hmm. And now I, I pray about it. You know, there's times that I, maybe if I'm stressed and it'll come into my mind, I would love to go pick up a birthday cake yeah. and do what I used to do, but I don't, I don't do it anymore, but it still crosses my mind every once in a while. And I know how to fill myself up so that craving will go away now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know this is, it's a really common thing for people to struggle with. I know for me, I struggled with it for a long time. And, and it's kind of like how, you know, in the beginning of the show, you mentioned just, you like to tell people that you are real big on overcoming fear, but then sometimes you, it kind of rears its ugly head. I, I feel this okay. way about binge eating because I have actually had to put some, it's kind of like, um, I equate it to, it's obviously not the same, but it's the same mindset and principles of a man who maybe overcome overcame pornography, they have to then have some systems in place that keep them from not slipping back into that, especially when they're going through a hard time or, you know, it's a, dark, a hard season and all this. And I remember I had honestly thought I had 100% overcome binge eating. And this has been probably four or five years ago. I went and spoke at a women's conference and the conference was a couple of hours away. And so they, they, stay, they paid for me to stay overnight. And the next day after I spoke, Actually, no, the same night I spoke, I was driving home and I stopped at a gas station and got like powdered donuts, like all the things, you know, <laughs> like all the things you would like to binge on. And I was driving along and I, I didn't even realize in my mind I was binging. I was thinking initially, I'm just road tripping, you know, like we're just, and I was sitting there inhaling these powdered donuts and I felt the <laughs> Lord do that same thing. Like, Rachel, what are you doing? I had just spoken to all these women. It wasn't on this topic, but still... It's like the enemy caught me after I came down off this high and, yeah. you know, I was kind of decompressing and, whew, you know, kind of let my guard down and in swooped in this whole thing of exactly like you mentioned that you even said that you were looking for the next thing to satisfy, you know? And so, so anyhow, I know for me with this, I have to, like when I eat sweets now, I won't eat sweets alone. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I'm like, if I eat sweets, you know, I'm like with the family or, you know, out at dinner when you get just one serving. So I'm not triggered to then sit and eat the entire package of Oreos or whatever it may be. And so I'm curious if you've encountered any of those kinds of moments yourself. <laughs> yes. And I like how you said you make sure you don't eat it alone. Now, I used to love to eat it alone. So there, was yeah. some, there would even sometimes be some Friday nights where my friends would say, hey, you want to go out? You want to do this or that? I didn't. I wanted to go hit Chili's and get what I love from Chili's get my desserts from somewhere else 
and I wanted to go home and I wanted to eat Mm -hmm. by myself alone in front of the television. Yep. And the other thing you said is very interesting and I'm so happy you said it. I was on uh, Christian television network doing an interview last week on the drive home. All I, all of a sudden it just flooded into my brain that I want to eat this, 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 and this right now, you know, all things I shouldn't be eating. Mm -hmm. And I just want to go home by myself. And I thought, where's this coming from? Either the enemy, because I was just out there doing something wonderful and now trying to fill my mind with guilt or, you know, what right did you have being on that? Tell, look at you, you still have these thoughts or two. I'm not sure if it's maybe just the adrenaline and the emotions and then, Maybe that was my old way of dealing with, but I didn't do it. And I've learned as long as I get something in my stomach and it's, you know, nutritious and I get filled up and I pray the craving goes away mm-hmm. where in the past I didn't want that craving to go away. Yeah. I wanted to fill it with what I wanted to fill it. So it's interesting. And maybe that will happen for the, for the rest of my life. But as long as you know, I obey and not do that anymore. And it, I have to remember beforehand, it will not satisfy me. Mm -hmm. And then I remind myself of the guilt after not only were you not satisfied, but now you feel guilty and you don't even feel worthy of what you're out there doing. So it's not worth it anymore. The peace, the peace that I have with myself and with God is worth more than me having the five minutes of satisfaction with that food. Yeah. And I physically don't feel well afterwards, you know? I mean, it's just (laughs) paying the price on that angle too. So there's no winning. I also love that you brought up exactly binge eating for me. I did have one or two friends in the past who we'd binge eat together, but I have mine. I got the most joy out of doing by myself. And I feel like that anybody, any sin in our life that we enjoy doing by ourselves should be huge red flags. You know, like if you feel like you have to be alone to participate in some activity (laughs) other than obviously reading God's word or, you know, praying or something like that, then that might be a sign that we should, uh, we should watch for that. And so I know like with myself, now that I do more speaking, since I know, this is an area the enemy likes to trip me up in. I either try to always have somebody come with me so that somebody's physically in the car, you know, like I'm not, you know, can, can be my accountability. And if that's not possible, then I do exactly what you mentioned about filling yourself up with some, you know, like, I'll listen to a sermon. I'm, I'm always like, okay, Lord, what sermon do you need me to you now that we have podcasts, you've got all kinds of things you can listen to or worship music or something just to refill. Cause it's not always the binge eating for me. It's, it's, if you know, if I'm aware of that one, then the enemy will swoop in with a different one. And so it's just the whole trying to bring you down and take your focus off of being satisfied in the Lord. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say, practically speaking, because I just feel like God is wanting us to kind of hang out on this topic for somebody listening who maybe does or has struggled with binge eating or any kind of eating disorder, you know, an unhealthy relationship with food. What would you say to them, practically speaking, that they can do to to overcome those things? One of the first things I did, and which is why I have the snack line, is I had to make sure I always had something sweet on hand that I could eat and that I should be eating. And my house, you will never, ever find things that I shouldn't be eating because mm-hmm. to have them in front of you is ridiculous and just count on your willpower. Yeah. <laughs> you know, too dangerous. So <laughs> I have three teenagers in the house 
And so we always have desserts, but they're usually, you know, sugar-free things I make with monk fruit or, you know, uh, xylitol, sometimes a little bit of honey or maple syrup. So there's always something here for me to eat. Now, during those times when I'm being tested, it, it'll seem in my head, none of these things are going to satisfy me mm-hmm. right now. I want this other thing. So I've learned to just go ahead and, and eat what I already have because I know within 15 minutes I will not want that other thing anymore. So you just have to make the harder choice and you won't feel like it. Yeah. You feel like bringing your friend to the store because all you want to do is be alone mm-hmm. and, you know, justify I had a stressful day or so I would just say and try to get to the deeper cause of why. Now, if you have a systemic fungal infection, this is a parasite that wants to stay alive and they stay alive by sugar and carbs. So that could be a big piece of what I was going through. And even bigger reason to fight it is just think you're keeping them alive every time you eat that way. And even though I knew that on some level, I still had no control. So I noticed my emotional healing as that came, the binging got less and less and less. So I would say, you know, there's probably something emotional to repair and start looking at that as hard as you're fighting to stop binging. Yeah. And so if you think you have any kind of candida or fungal infection, to definitely think of it that way, that you want to starve, you know, this parasite. Yeah. I love that, that you you gave practical advice on, you know, really listening to the Lord on what might be going on with you, because it could be something emotional or spiritual that needs healed, you know, or, or it could be physical, that you have something more going on that is not seen to the human eye, that if you went to the doctor, they may not detect it on you, a traditional doctor anyhow, you know, to, to be listening to your body. I actually, the summer when we were in Florida at the same time that I was there with you, there was a man at this training we were at and he specializes kind of in this type of thing and he had me hang on to different items in my hands and he tried to press my arm down and uh, what was interesting was at the time my body was saying I'm not going to go into the whole testing because we don't have time here but my body was basically saying it wanted the sugar right Mm -hmm. and he was like that's not right there's something wrong internally with you your body should you know you should want you should not want to it was like a can of soda or something you know and he's like your body should not be craving this but it's basically saying I'm craving this. And that's what he brought up that same point you just said about that the whole, you know, things that your body is feeding like cancer and different other infections, it literally can make you crave sugar. So do you have anything else to add to that? Because I know that's a hot topic for a lot of people right now. Yeah, these are living organisms that want to live and want to eat. And (laughs) so you have to think about it that way. Sometimes the cravings are coming from there. And back then, if you would have told me that my cravings and my binging could be coming from extreme anxiety, I probably wouldn't have believed it. I just thought I love to eat. I love food. What's wrong with that? But I did it in private because the enormous amounts that I could eat, I knew would not be publicly accepted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I would just say it it took me some time and some prayer. Like I said it was never something I even thought to pray about because I didn't see it as a problem. So mm-hmm. what I like food. I just yeah. don't see the issue. But then 
I started to actually pay attention and there's triggers for wanting to binge and eat that way. And sometimes it's just extreme anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. On that note, yeah, I've got several questions for you from here. So I'm like, which one should we go with first? You mentioned earlier about that you've had panic attacks and I know panic attacks can go hand in hand with anxiety. And then like you mentioned, then these other disorders come off of that. So how, what has been your story on overcoming anxiety in those panic attacks? I had panic attacks looking back and it's not something that people ever talked about today. Everyone says, oh, I have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Everybody says they have anxiety. Back then, that was not something people discussed and it was more shameful to say you had anxiety. I had panic attacks probably since I was a child and all the way up to my adult years. And I tried to overcome it and I would go to places like Toastmasters mm-hmm. where your peers sort of, um, you stand up in front of them and you make a speech and they critique you and it helps you to actually get comfortable. Well, I quit twice when it was my turn to get up. I couldn't do it. Couldn't get through it. You know, couldn't get through it. I didn't even want to stand up to say my name. So I would just panic and I would, I fled both times. Then three years ago, a national television show contacted me to be on And I said, God, I don't see how I can possibly do this. I've never spoken in front of people. In fact, I have panic attacks when I do, but I knew I had to do it. So for three days prior to the filming, I was hyperventilating, even in front of my family. I couldn't catch a breath. And finally, I said, God, you're going to have to give me the words. You promise in in the Bible that you will give me the words when I need them. So I just completely trusted him. And up until that point, I would fantasize about what my hyperventilation would sound like against the mic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I would torture myself too. And the interview, actually, once I got up there, he gave me this piece that came over me. And it was, I felt like my interview, I was more at peace than talking to my own family. And I realized his anointing was on me. Never again since that point was I ever afraid to go on television, radio, talk to people. So mine, I actually overcame it almost in an instant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. You know, I can relate to much of your story because I'm the same way of speaking. If you had told me a decade ago that, shoot, even five years ago that I'd be doing speaking, I'd be like, oh, that's funny. Because when I was in college, I actually was asked to speak on body image stuff to our college students. And I just straight up was like, no, I just told him no. And my pastor was like, well, don't you want to pray about it? I was like, no, I don't speak. I literally told him that word. (laughs) I was like, I don't speak. And I just was like, no. And um, I still kind of feel bad about that. You know, I'm like, yeah, that was, but you know, it's part of my story. And so I feel the same way though, when you actually get up there and that anxiety just falls off. I, I think it's interesting. I'm just this last week in some of my schooling, I learned the difference between fear and anxiety. Fear is actually a perceived threat of actually what's happening right now. Like if I was physically on stage right now and I was feeling it, that's actually fear. Anxiety is of what's to come, you know? So like fear is the here and now and anxiety is what's to come. So I realized, oh, okay, I'm actually dealing more with anxiety than fear on a lot of these things. And I think that the more we realize that, then it is easier to overcome it in using some of the the practices that we can do to, to do that. So yeah, thank you for and sharing. God, 
God's healing is amazing because now this is what we both do for a living. Exactly. And like you said, five years ago, I would have said, no, I don't want it. I want nothing to do with that. And it's just been the the biggest blessing. Yeah. And I realized too, you know, me saying no is actually selfish. And I know that sounds weird because some people are like, oh, well, you just don't want a platform. I'm like, no, I realized me saying no was me being focused on me because I was saying no out of fear of, well, what if I say something dumb or what if I mess something up? Well, okay, that's all focused on me. You know, I'm not looking outwards at who needs to hear what God's going to say through me. And so like you sharing your testimony. um, So I'm so thankful that that God, that God led you through that. And now you're, you're spreading, spreading all this amazing goodness on this topic. I do want to ask you, so we're going to talk a little bit about some of the resources that you offer earlier. You mentioned that whenever you, that you keep things around that you can eat. I know that's a recurring thing. People listening today are like, okay, great. I'm on board. I should starve the sugar monsters. <laughs> what mm-hmm. what are the types of, I know there's a lot of sugar type replacements out there. What are your thoughts on all the different ones? I know you mentioned several. I've heard of Swerve recently. Like, I don't know. Is Swerve, is that how you call it? I think so. Um, yeah, that's erythritol. Okay. So what, yeah. Can you tell us just like bullet points on some of the differences of some of these and maybe the ones that are, are good for people to consume? Yeah. If you're trying to do no sugar at all, my favorites are monk fruit and xylitol, stevia as well. I'm not crazy about stevia, but when you mix it, it seems like with xylitol or with monk fruit, then, then it's good. And then there's some natural, more natural sugars, yet there's still sugars. So if you have any problems with candida or fungus, you should probably not do too much, but that's raw honey and organic maple syrup. And other than that, we really don't use any sweeteners around here beside that. Okay. And they're more than enough. They taste just like sugar. Yeah. Do you like Swerve or no? I've used it as, um, it's powdered sugar. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the same consistency as sugar. Yeah, yeah. I, I have used that on occasion. I don't love the flavor. Okay. I, I prefer the xylitol and the monk fruit. They taste exactly like sugar. Okay. Where do you recommend buying those? You can buy those at Whole Foods. That's where I have found them. Okay. And so tell us a little about, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the show how I came across your snacks. Tell us a little bit about your snacks and people can order them online, right? Yeah, they're sold around Tampa and in the Tampa International Airport, as well as on my blog. And so they, well, there's, we have two. One is a chocolate chip cookie dough, and it tastes just like chocolate chip cookie dough, but it's not at all. Yeah. Um, Its foundation is cashew butter, and it's got chia seeds, and the chips are sweetened with stevia. So it's a really, really good little protein snack, but tastes amazing. And then we have the chocolate chip oat bites. Okay. And those are with almond butter and coconut oil. So you're getting some actual real nutrition. Yeah. With snack. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those chocolate chip cookie dough bites were the first one I tried. And I think I went live on Instagram and was like, um, these seriously taste like I'm eating cookie dough right now. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah. Those are so good. Yeah. So tell us also, so we know you have the blog that will be, all this will be in the show notes, but tell us a little bit about the book. The book I divided into three sections and the first one is emotional. The second is physical and the third is spiritual. And 
so for each section in the beginning for emotional, I write about my childhood and how difficult that was. And then I also mix in 60 different recipes that are free of gluten and yeast and wheat and processed sugar. And I weave these recipes into the stories. So then the next chapter is physical. And I talk about getting sick and running from doctor to doctor and getting different diagnosis and how I got well. And then, of course, recipes woven in. And then finally, a spiritual chapter on how God guided me the whole time, including what doctor to see at one point. And so those stories are in there as well. And then more recipes. Wow. And lots of inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. And I have the book. It's awesome. So you guys listening definitely need to grab it. What are your thoughts on naturally occurring sugars that come from fruit? I think that if you're fighting a fungal infection, it's best to stay with the low sugar fruits like berries Mm -hmm. at first. And then you can eventually, when you don't have any more symptoms, graduate to the higher sugar fruits. And there's some people that believe once you have a fungal infection that you you may have it for life, but you can dial it up or you can dial it down. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I will notice, even if it's just fruit, if I eat too much sugary fruit, then I can start to see symptoms. So I just sort of live on the lower sugar fruits. And then occasionally I'll have pineapples and bananas and all the other fruits because there's wonderful vitamins and minerals in those fruits as well. But if you do have a fungal infection or if you have cancer, mm-hmm. it's better to stick to those low, sh- very low sugar berries and things like that. Yeah. Are there any other resources you recommend for somebody who's kind of curious to figure out if they might be fighting a fungal infection? Yes, there's tons of information on my blog from links to fungus and cancer to fibromyalgia, psoriasis, diabetes. Another great link is Know the Cause Mm, um, by Doug Doug Kaufman. And he has been studying fungus and its link to disease for 40 years plus, I believe. So there's a lot of good resources on his website as well. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I know we've talked a lot today about practically speaking with our physical and spiritual. Before we hop off here, is there anything else you would love to just leave the listeners with? Yes. I want to say no matter what you're going through, whether it's physical or emotional, there's always hope and God will guide us and he will answer your prayer. And if you seek, you seek him, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. And Thank God he knows what we can do more than we can. You know, Rachel, you and I both, we never expected to be speaking in front of people. He has a plan for everybody and it's a plan so much bigger than anybody could ever imagine for themselves. And they probably wouldn't even believe that they could handle it. But I would just say, turn to God, find your healing because God's will is for us to live whole and healthy and not sick and just seek him out and find your answers. Yeah. Thank you for those words of wisdom. I couldn't agree more. So thank you, Erin, again for coming on the show. Before we hop off, do you want to um, tell them where they can find you online? This will also be in the show notes as well. I'm at www.eatpraygetwell.com and you can find my book on my website as well as on Amazon. And a lot of times 
I think the day this airs, I will be giving away one of my free cookie dough with the purchase of a book as well. Awesome. And how do they redeem that? I'll have it on my website. Okay. Perfect. And believe me, you guys just go ahead and buy several packages. I'm actually, by the way, that poses a good question. Are these able to be frozen if somebody were to buy several packages of it? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And then they just take one out and put it in the fridge when they want to defrost it or something. Yes. And even though there's no preservatives, they do last quite a bit, especially if you put them in the refrigerator or the freezer. Okay. Perfect. Good to know. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Erin. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Wasn't that a great interview with Erin to start our year off with the right mindset about how and why to take care of our body and our hearts? Her book, Eat, Pray, Get Well, is not only beautiful, but you'll love the stories and the yummy, healthy recipes. And for two days only, Erin's running a special price of $19.99 on her book just for you all. So head to her website right now before you forget and snag a few copies at that price. And you can find those at eatpraygetwell.com. And while you're there, make sure to add several packages of the protein balls that I told you about that I found in the airport. I'm not even kidding. They're so good and the ingredients are totally awesome for you. So you don't have to worry about any of that. And then also I found out from Erin because I was wanting to stock order a whole bunch for myself. You can actually freeze them. So I'm not even kidding. Like seriously order at least six bags. That's what I do. And then I I freeze them and I pull a bag out to keep in the refrigerator. Hey, and before I go, I want to just tell you, I'm grateful that you guys choose to listen to this show. I know there's thousands of other shows that you can tune into. So I'm just honored that you choose to spend this time with me. And if you haven't already, I know I sound like a broken record, but please leave those reviews on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen. They just help this show get in front of more listeners, which is a blessing for us and for those listeners, I hope, right? All right, and also don't forget to text the phrase Real Talk Giveaway to the number 44222 on your cell phone. That way you can stay in the loop on giveaways and other fun show perks. All right, friends, that's all that I have for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing those God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.